Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, let's play a game of good news, bad news. Good news, Bruce Arians thinks that Shaq Barrett and Jason Pierre-Paul will be back for Sunday's playoff game against the Philadelphia Eagles. Bad news, he's not as sure about Levante David, who might be the player they need the most on defense. Steve, I watched this team the last few weeks, uh, I think four times in the last six weeks, they've given up 100 yards rushing to a football team, and there seems to be you know, sort of a commonality in that um, teams are, are coming out, um, running the ball consistently early in games. I mean, the last two games, the Bucks offense only had one possession in each of the last uh, two games in the first quarter. Now, you could argue, well, you can't go three and out, and that's true. Um, but one possession in the first quarter of a playoff game could bury you, uh, you know, two or three scores down. So this obviously cannot continue, but um, you know, my question is like, how good will Shaq Barrett be when he does come back? And we know JPP hasn't been the same player since his torn labor in his shoulder. So I'm not expecting a whole lot out of him, but just the rotation would be better um, using guys like Anthony Nelson, who's played really well and Joe Tron off the bench, as opposed to having to start them. But the biggest piece might be Levante David, because there's no way around this anymore. Devin white is not the same player and I think part of that, or maybe a large part of that, um, is not just the schemes that teams are running because he's a sideline to sideline linebacker, but that Levante David isn't there. And for whatever reason, you know, he came out of this game uh, the other day with uh, four tackles. You know, he had three tackles a week before. He's been averaging almost nine tackles a game throughout the season. And so it's really unusual to see you know, Devin White struggled this way. And here comes the Philadelphia Eagles, the top rushing football team in the National Football League, primarily because of Jalen Hurts. So they need to get these guys back, but I guess we'll find out later in the week, not earlier, whether Levante David will be one of them. You definitely need the guys back, or at least some, and it sounds like you're going to get some back. Um, You know, if you went in without JPP, without Shaq, without Jamel Dean, without Levante David, yeah. Now you're going, uh-oh. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I still think Levante David would be a huge help in this game, particularly with Jalen Hurts and, and, and the way he can use his feet too. But having at least a couple of them back in that pass rush with Shaq and JPP will help tremendously in this game. Um, and it's, you know, the the important part is, you know, there's always talk every year of, you know, who's on a roll going into the playoffs, who's playing well this. I think the most important part is who's healthy. And, you know, the teams that have better health, that have more players that are healthy and not hurt, not out, are the teams that generally win playoff games. And and the Bucks at least are getting some of their guys back for this week's game and hopefully a few more. First of all, this, this Eagles team is, is a different team than the one they played when they beat them 27-24. Or, no, what was it? It was uh, – that's not the right score. It was uh, 28-22. 
back in October 14th. Um, you know, the Eagles are nine and eight. They, they sort of rested a bunch of players in the season finale against Dallas. So they could, you know, potentially be, uh, have a better record than that. Um, but you know, they, they changed sort of after that Bucks game, because I can remember being up there and I can remember, you know, Eagles fans are, are really smart, smart people. And, and, um, I can remember them screaming, uh, for the Eagles to, to run the football, you know, and Jalen Hurts was doing some RPO stuff, but basically, you know, he was kind of their whole offense. He was having to scramble, um, out of trouble at times. He was having to, you know, make something out of nothing on the run in terms of the passing game. Didn't have a very good, big game, you know, throwing the ball against them, uh, against the Bucks. I think he threw for, you know, less than 125 yards or thereabouts. So there was a lot of, uh, of offense they didn't get. And yet in the second half, you know, the bus bucks mixed some tackles. Uh, he ran for a couple of touchdowns and, you know, they, they started coming back a little bit and, you know, you could see that they were going to be a better football team as the year went on. And now, you know, with, with Tampa Bay struggling, stopping the run, it just seems so unusual because they've been the best run defense for three years. They just haven't lately. And I think the biggest part is just, you know, the injuries. I mean, you can't, you know, you can't replace a Levante David per se. You lose guys. You know, Joe Tryon Shoinka is a, is a rookie. Bruce Arians said on Monday that Anthony Nelson, who's played great football, did a nice job of setting the edge, spilling things back in towards the interior of the of the defensive line. Uh, I don't think I don't think Joe Tryon has really done that of late. Um, you know, teams have gotten outside, and that forces, you know guys like your corners, uh, your safety, smaller players to have to come up and, and set the edge and make tackles in space. And their tackling has been sloppy. And that can happen late in the year because you don't, you know, you're not in pads, um, you know, really after like Thanksgiving and, you know, there's no tackling in practice, obviously. And so you're trying to do your run fits and things uh, in what amounts to glorified walkthroughs. So this time of year, um, guys are nicked up you'll you'll see some you'll see some bad some bad tackling at times and i think the bucks have sort of you know not done as good a job but but the thing about levante is that he's the calm to sort of devin white's fire i mean devin white doesn't lack for fire but i've been disappointed in the way he's played this year i mean there's no way around it like i had this guy as a potential defensive player of the year you know candidate and you know, he has not had the splash plays. He's got three and a half sacks. Last year he had nine, which was second only to JPP. Now they will tell you, well, you know, we haven't maybe blitzed him as much. He's had to have some coverage responsibilities when the secondary was hurt, and all that's true. But I've watched him the last, I don't know, four or so games. He's had plenty of blitz opportunities. He just hasn't gotten to the quarterback. Um, teams are looking for him. They're they're counting for him more, and that will happen when you're a great player. Here's what else happens when you win a Super Bowl and you ride your horse around Raymond James Stadium with a Lombardi trophy. Um, you smell the roses a little bit, you know, and you enjoy the off season, which is shorter a little bit more, and you do endorsements. And in Devin White's case, he did a movie. Um, I don't know if any or all of that, you know, was was impactful, but I'll tell you that he didn't have those responsibilities or, or you know, that sort of thing, Um the year before he also built a home he's got a stable full of 
horses down here. I mean, you know, life and priorities change. And when you're young and you're that successful that early, um, I think it's easy to get away from, you know, whether it's watching. And again, this is all speculation on my part. But if you're looking for just, you know, how does this happen? I think it's a combination of teams trying to account for him. Levante being injured, Shaq Barrett and those guys being injured, and then, you know, just some good game planning um, because you always forget, you know, these other teams have the best players in the world, the best coaches in the world, and they get they get paid to come up with game plans too. So I think they're going to need a Levante David. I think they're going to need Devin White. I think they're going to need Antoine Winfield Jr. and Carlton Davis and those guys to step up the way they did in last year's postseason, maybe more so this year because, you know, last year they were whole both on offense and defense with the exception of Vita Vea. Um, But the offense, you know, kind of hit its stride and they were scoring, you know, over 30 points a game. Um, and But the defense really carried them. You know, they, they, they got the short fields. They got the turnovers. That game in New Orleans would have gone a different way if not for the strip sack by Winfield Jr. and the recovery by Devin White. Um, they go to Green Bay. They absolutely are lucky to get Vita Vea back. They get, you know, five sacks of, of uh, Aaron Rodgers to get the interception from Sean Murphy Bunting, a fumble, forced fumble by Jordan Whitehead. So turnovers in the postseason, um, you know, when, when, you, when you force turnovers uh, or you turn the ball over, it's different when you're playing in the postseason because those are the best teams uh, left in football, and they will, they will beat you with it. You know, I mean, the ball is everything. And so, you know, the Bucks have done a nice job of late protecting the football, which has been encouraging, but they haven't gotten a ton of turnovers. They did get a couple, um, you know, late in the game, obviously, on Sunday uh, against the Carolina Panthers. So um, I, just think, I just think their defense, you know, is, is missing their stars, and your stars have to be your stars. And if they get Shaq Barrett back and he's Shaq Barrett, um, that's great. And whatever JPP can give them, at least it keeps guys fresher in that rotation. Um, but I'm here to tell you, they got, you know, Levante, Levante David is such a big piece because I think he makes Devin White a better player. And, you know, if they have to play the Eagles, uh, who run the heck out of the ball, um, I think they've had 175 yards rushing in six games this year. I mean, that's that's really impressive. And they do it from the quarterback position with putting a lot of stress with the run pass options and things like that. So um, it's going to be a tougher matchup than I think most people realize from a, you know, from a defensive standpoint. Offensively, um, you know, I, I, I think the Bucks just have to contain their front four. They're, the Eagles are able to, to, to put pressure on their quarterback on the quarterback with just their four down linemen. And that's impressive. Um, if you can block those guys up, there, there's going to be a lot of guys in coverage. And so, you know, Brady will have to be sharp as he usually is. And I know he's going to prepare. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, Steve, the other day he said, uh, I want to do a shout out as he always does after the TV interview, shout out to my wife and kids who are in Costa Rica, my son, uh, in, you know, New York or whatever, my family, Nobody is at the Brady house except Tom Brady right now. When he gets to this part of the season, it's as if, and I think I'm right about this, he sends them all away. Like, dad is in his second season, and he is going to pour every ounce of time and energy uh, into the playoffs until we're done with the Super Bowl. Y'all going to have to go somewhere else. 
Well, it's worked so far in his career, and and we know he did yeah. that last year too. So I don't know yeah. for the whole playoffs, but he did send them away for a little at, while, at least at least part of the postseason. So yeah, um, yeah, I think he gets in that zone, and it's it's all business at that point. I mean, every he you know he's got a lot of business ventures and everything else, but I think this month mm-hmm. it becomes a lot more football than the rest of the year. Yeah, no doubt. And then you know offensively. We talked to Arians, and he said that Leonard Fournette looks good to go, uh, that he will be back um, this week, which, I think is, that's a which huge, is huge. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, although, you know, hats off to Keyshawn Vaughn. Mm-hmm. You know, this this guy had one of the worst games when he had to come in against New Orleans with all the injuries, and he, you know, fell down one time, dropped another ball, like looked like he didn't belong in the NFL, and then he got a chance to practice and do some things. Played pretty good the other day, you know. Like he showed that he is an NFL player, and if you need him in a pinch, he can run the football well enough. Um, scored a touchdown, you know. Um, with that offensive line creating some holes, like he he's capable. He's he's got some explosiveness to him, and I think he's improved a whole lot. So, you know, from that standpoint, uh, also Le'Veon Bell. I mean, Le'Veon mm-hmm. Bell picks up a blitz. I think he was in the game for this play. That long pass. Um, maybe, maybe it was either Bell or obviously Vaughn picks up a blitz and that long, long pass, uh, the 40-something yard pass to Gronkowski over the middle of the field because they were blitzing inside, leaving the middle of the field open, something that Bruce Arians says he knows the Eagles won't do after this tape. Um, but, but those kinds of plays, you know, the blitz pickups, uh, Bell with a touchdown catch on that, that little waggle um, bootleg type thing that, Arian, or that uh, you know, Tom Brady threw him. I mean, that's impressive that those guys were able to step in there. And, you know, they hung 41 after, you know, basically just giving away the whole first quarter. So, I mean, to score 41 on an NFL team uh, in three quarters is really something. And, you know, it's 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 a bunch of bit players. But, you know, no surprise that Gronkowski, Mike Evans, those are his go-to guys. Um, he hit all the marks, you know, uh, including uh, – I thought it was funny. You know, Arians goes over and to take him out of the game – you see this, Steve, where, where um, basically Brady says, no, I'm staying in. And the reason he stayed in, to throw one more pass to Gronk so he could get his seventh reception, which he needed mm-hmm. to get another half-million-dollar bonus. Well, I mean, we saw it last year with the, what, Antonio Brown. Yes. Making sure he got the, you know his bonuses on, on the pass catchers and yards last year. I mean, we know Brady takes care of his boys, and, and he's done that throughout his career, and he definitely wasn't going to – you know, deter, you know, not let Gronk get that on Sunday, period. You know, what was really funny about that. I thought that, that, you know, because um, Brown and his podcast said, you know, as much that like, well, you know, why am I on an earn it contract? You know, when his, his, his boy is clearly, you know, um, Gronkowski because he's not on one. Well, it's true in terms of base salary. I mean, the guy's probably making eight and a half, nine million dollars, but, that was the ultimate, oh, yeah, watch this, um, of Brady going out there and earning, as he did last year with, with you know, a quarter of a million dollars, mm-hmm. went to Brown in the last of the game. But for him to go out there and earn a million dollars for Gronkowski, I thought, oh, really? You know, that's that was the ultimate, oh, so he's not on to earn it? Watch him earn this, you know? Um, well, kind of and, and you know Tom would have taken care of Antonio, too. I mean, he was upset sure. last week that he wasn't getting it. He was so close to a million dollars worth of bonuses, he would have hit that this week or, you know, the final week, no problem, even if right. he didn't get it in the game against um, 
the Jets. That mm-hmm. it just it made no sense. And and you know I know Antonio doesn't like the earn it contract, but you know two things: one, you signed it, and two, it's mm-hmm. your history that caused that. Yeah, and the only absolutely. reason you didn't hit your bonuses earlier is because you got suspended and hurt, which has been your history. <laughs> Which is why you have an earned it contract. I mean, you've been suspended eleven games in the last two years, right? So, you know, and then you were hurt a bunch more. I mean, he basically he didn't end up doing this, but the most of the most games he would have played if he had not gotten cut would have been eight. And he played eight last year. You know, so you basically rented the guy for half a season because of his age, because of his you know, his shenanigans. And oh by the way, even if there's never a, a vaccination card story or there's never a suspension or uh, there's never a ripping your shirt off and all of that that, that transpired not going in the game, um, you know, two weeks ago, um, you know, breaking every protocol to, to have a woman in your hotel room uh, on the team hotel uh, at the Westin in Philadelphia probably would not, or not Philadelphia, but uh, in um, New York, probably would not have uh, uh, been ignored by the team or the league at this time. So uh, he would have gotten himself in trouble, as we all knew that that he was eventually going to do. Um, But, yeah, offensively, uh, Ronald Jones, probably the furthest away. Fournette will be back. Not as daunting of of a problem with uh, the hamstring as I thought in the case of Cyril Grayson. And they've had a ton of hamstring injuries. Joey Knight asked this question, and and really Arians didn't have any answer for it. He's like, well – we spend all this money on sports science. We got the best sports science. Yeah, and you got a ton of hamstring issues. All I know is like it seems like sometimes some years there's like, you know, for whatever reason, one injury or the other seems to crop up a lot. You know, some years it's Achilles, some years it's, um, you know, quads, or some years it's this or that. But but man, the amount of hamstring injuries and it makes you wonder. They do monitor these guys and how much running they're doing, but you know, the end part of the year, a lot of these guys aren't really running at all. And I just wonder if you can, you know, go through the week and you try to give them their legs back, um, but then they go out there and, and, you know, turn the Jets on and all of a sudden, you know, it's it's not there for them. Usually um, when you get a hamstring injury, it's it's because you've done too much, you know, in, in too much running. It's cumulative or it's, you know, too much running in the week. You're dehydrated. Something, something contributes to that. Um, but man, I, I, I can't recall this many hamstring strains as they've had, uh, as the Bucks have had this year. So whether they check into that or not, I don't know. Um, but the good news is that there's a chance that Grayson's hamstring is not going to be that bad. And look, I think Brashard Perryman made, you know, one of the, one of the most important plays of the game. I mean, with that toe tap, mm-hmm. uh, that he had to set up a touchdown. I mean, that, that catch was as good as you're going to see Tyler Johnson stepped up finally, i um, been waiting for him to, you know, to, to actually make some plays and make some yards after the catch and show that he cares. I think with, with Johnson, it's just effort. You know, I, I, I really believe he's talented and he's done this before. He's got good hands. Um, but I haven't seen him, you know, work at his craft the way uh, a young player that's, that's that far down on the depth chart. And how about Scotty Miller? Welcome back, Scotty Miller. Even though it was sort of garbage time, he showed what he can do with the, with that speed, and it's been one of the most bizarre things. Like I understand that you know Sauer Grayson and Bashar Perriman are bigger athletes. You know they're bigger guys in a run game. You know you certainly can use them, and and maybe Miller is a little too one dimensional in, in you know running the streak routes and things like that. Um, but my goodness, somebody with that kind of speed, I would 
I would try to find a way to get the football in his hands, especially with the injuries they have. He only made the biggest play of the season last year against Green Bay at the end of the first half. And we've said this many times on the podcast, eight games into the season, he was leading the Bucks in receiving last year after the Raiders game and uh, before they signed Antonio Brown. So he's a guy with a big resume and plenty of chemistry with Tom Brady. Um, and for whatever reason, he just, you know, he hasn't gotten that opportunity. But obviously with Grayson going out, he was able to get in the game and make some plays. And that might, that might open their eyes again, you know. Um, it just seems like Brady finds these guys and, um, you know, throws them open and everybody is, is where they're supposed to be. And, you know, a lot of these pieces are interchangeable. They're just going to have to find a different way to do it. And you know, I talked to Bruce Arians about this. It's like you don't have as talented a team as you did last year. I mean, there's no way you can say with the injuries that this Bucks team, without Chris Godwin, without Antonio Brown, has as much talent. And, you know, forgetting the injuries to, you know, to also to people like Levante David and whatnot. Um, and he said, you know, the most talented team doesn't win always. It's the team that, that plays the best that Sunday. It's the team that executes the best. One thing about the Bucks when they dial in, you didn't see any penalties the other day. None, you know, to speak of. You didn't see them turn the ball over for the last, you know, really um, last game for sure and not many turnovers over the last few weeks. When they dial it in, you know, they are hard to beat because they won't beat themselves, you know. Um, but it'll be it'll be a competitive, it'll be a tough game. I mean, the Eagles are going to come down here, and with Fletcher Cox and those guys on defense, they're going to get into Brady's face, and uh, and the Bucks will have to earn it. But, you know, I know what that stadium is like during playoff time. Um, it's been a long time since we've had a playoff game. And but I know that those flags are going to come out. It's going to be a predominantly Buccaneer crowd. I don't know how many Eagle fans will be there. I don't think it's going to be anything perceptible. Um, and it's going to be loud. And and you know Mike Evans said something after the game because he played you know the first six years of his career um, in empty stadiums or half empty stadiums or stadiums that were you know full of half full of of the opponents fans. And he goes, man, I don't take this for granted. He's like. You know, that, that home crowd provides so much energy and so much momentum, and they can feel it. And you can. You know, that's, that's the beauty of professional sports. I mean, it really, uh, it really gets your adrenaline going, and, you know, it, it, it hurts the other team's communication on offense. And, and there is a decided home field advantage in the postseason. And I think that, uh, you know, I think, I think the Bucks. You know, not having had one of those in so long, it's going to be a really neat circumstance, and they're going to have two if they are able to beat the Eagles. And who knows, maybe three if somebody were to upset, you know, the 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 Green Bay Packers. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, but um, you know, there's there's to me no real dominant like team that you go, oh, well, they're going to the Super Bowl. I know, I know the Packers have the number one seed, and I know Rodgers is going to probably be the MVP and all of that. But I'm here to tell you, whoever shows up at Lambeau Field, if they're there for the NFC Championship game, um, it will be a home field advantage for the Packers, no question. However, how much pressure is on Aaron Rodgers and that organization and that coaching staff to win that game after being in the NFC Championship for the third straight year and the second straight year at home? Um, and I don't, I don't think that they're infallible. I don't think that football team is without some holes, particularly their run defense. So we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but 
That is to say. And did you see the video, um, Steve, of the of the locker room after the game when they're all standing around looking up at the at the uh, the telecast of the Rams forty nine er game? Mm-hmm. That was awesome. That was that was just phenomenal. Well, I mean, early on, if you know, as you're kind of paying attention, the Rams what took a seventeen nothing lead. Yeah, and you were kind of thinking, yeah, eh, you know, no shot. So you know, yeah, yeah, you know, we'll get the three seed if if the Bucks win, and and that'll be mm-hmm. that. And you know, mm-hmm. for the Niners to come back in that game and then ultimately win it, um, and give the Bucks that two seed is incredible. And, and watching the yeah. players watch it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, Brady's face is just like whoa. Like uh, Arians goes over and tells him on the bench that the that the Niners have tied it up, and he's his eyes just get really big. He's like, wow. Yeah, I mean, and he was then, probably like that. Mf'er did that. That's <laughs> right. We, any chance I can play that mf'er before it's over? Um, Jimmy Garoppolo with his uh, one injured hand or finger or whatever it is uh, managed to come back and play, and they lost their. I think they lost one of their tackles, and um, they were they, you know what a, what a terrible defeat for the Rams at home. Uh, what a terrible way to lose uh, Matthew Stafford getting intercepted on a on a deep ball to Odell Beckham Jr. in overtime. Um, you Which know, that, that was that a bad was, throw. But yeah. Odell, you want to go fight for the ball? Go fight for the ball. I mean, exactly. it was a bad throw. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, yeah. whether he fights for it and has a shot at, who knows? But right. But you don't just keep running. Yeah. Right. You track it. You track it and try to get back there. Yeah. Right. Try to try to play some defense. Maybe you get a hand in after he catches it, and maybe you, you know, he's close to being out of bounds anyway. Maybe you can push him out of bounds. You know, before he gets a second foot down, but. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that reminded me of every ball that Jameis threw to Deshaun Jackson. <laughs> Deshaun <laughs> would just keep going, and, and he'd be looking back, and Deshaun wasn't going to fight for anything. Uh, you know, it was like, yeah, no, that one's behind me. I'm not coming back to catch that one. Um, and and that was Odell Beckham Jr. So now Stafford's going to hear it for the next week, week and a half. Um, we'll see. What and they, they dropped all the way in the four seed. Yeah, that was bad for them. Really bad. And they got San Francisco in the postseason again. You know, I mean, you, you've got a team in your own division that's uh, a rival. You know, the best thing that happened to the Bucks, yeah, New Orleans and, Saints and are the not Ram- in the playoffs. Yeah. Well, that and the Rams have a Monday nighter too. Oh, uh, the, the NFL completely, completely bashed the Rams. I mean, first the indignity of losing a seventeen-point lead. You know, that could have knocked out San Francisco, and now. You've got to play a division rival in Arizona, but you play them on, on Monday night. I mean, like, which automatically guarantees you a short week for the for the next round. Um, nobody wants to play. It's it's new this year that Monday night playoff game. Nobody wanted that one. I was so glad the Bucks didn't get the Monday night game. I can't believe my good fortune as a writer uh, who hates deadlines and and wants as much time to to put together a story as possible to have a one o'clock game on Sunday. That is the NFL's version of congratulations. We really want you to advance <laughs> because, I mean, if you don't think that that matters, right? Like they, the, the NFL gets to make these decisions with their network partners, right? And 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 I would have thought, no matter what, Tom Brady is prime time, right? He's prime time viewing, uh, big Northeast market, Philadelphia. Uh, yeah, maybe they're an underdog. Whatever games in Tampa, fine. But certainly that would have warranted uh, at least a 4:30 game, maybe a, maybe a Sunday night game, maybe a Monday night game. I am so so glad, and and you know for Tom Brady who goes to bed at nine o'clock, and for the Bucks who have like stunk basically anytime they've played one of those primetime games at night, especially at home, it's a huge it's a huge win. I mean it's like 
Oh, cool. Hey, we get up in our normal sleep rhythms. We'd come out, play a game at one, done by four, sit back and watch the rest of the games if you're lucky enough to win. So, you know, Tom can be back in bed at 9 p.m. Um, I think it's I think it's huge. Uh, I know it is for me uh, and for the people that, that uh, cover the team. So that's really all I care about. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. By the way, Black Monday, glad I'm not part of it. Been part of too many of them. Uh, if you can remember, the Bucks had five coaching changes in 10 years, I believe, uh, going back to John Gruden. And uh, that is the recipe for disaster. Um, you know, when you consistently change the coach, change the quarterback, and in the case on Monday, there were some changes at the GM as well. Uh, we can just go through these and not surprised that the Bears fired Matt Nagy. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, you could kind of see that coming. And, 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 and really, to be honest with you, I thought that he was in a tough position because, you know, they they jettisoned Mitch Trubisky as if he was the problem, right? Um, they have a high draft pick. They take Justin Fields, which I think was the right thing to do. Uh, you know, but you had signed Andy Dalton. And you could see – you know, from the beginning of the year that, that Nagy, Nagy wanted to have Dalton as his quarterback. He did start out as a starting quarterback and that he would play fields, you know, when or if he was ready, but his hand was forced because he didn't get off to a great start. And the first game that they played fields was maybe one of the worst offensive game plans I've ever seen. I mean, that kid was not only not prepared, um, but they did nothing to, to help his skill sets. And, he got a. It was it was just an abomination. Um, I think it got a little bit better after that, but because of injuries and different things, they went back and forth between quarterbacks too much, and you just can't really, you know, for for Nagy to, to have kept his job, he would have had to have shown real development on Fields' part and probably a few more wins, obviously, but neither of that happened, right? So so now they move on, but not only that, they also fired Ryan Pace, their general manager. Um, which is huge. So Chicago starting over, you know, and you would assume that uh, in most organizations they'd like to hire the GM first, let him have input on the coaching. Um, I saw where Bill Polian, I think, is involved as a consultant uh, to help uh, the McCaskey family and whatnot, you know, try to figure out who they want to hire first and how to go about it. Um, so so that one was uh, – was not unexpected, but Ryan Pace uh, gets a copy of the home game as well. And then also in the NFC North, the Vikings, they get rid of Mike Zimmer. Um, and I'm, you know, I didn't realize how long Mike Zimmer had been there, like eight years. Mm-hmm. You know, he was like one of the highest tenured coaches in the NFL. You know, and that's a long time. The surprise though was Rick Spielman. Yeah, and I read reports today that as early as or, you know, as recent as a month, maybe two months ago, that Rick Spielman was up to be promoted in the Vikings organization, kind of that level between the GM and, and management and ownership, to like a president of football operations or whatever else. And all of a sudden, now today he's out. That so that one really is surprising. 
Yeah, and you know he's a, he's a good dude. I mean, he like I said, man, sixteen years, something like that, fifteen, sixteen years in in Minnesota, which is a place if you're not from there, it takes a while to get welcomed, and he certainly was. I think he's got four or five adopted children. Uh, he's a very inclusive guy. His children are all African American. It's like just a neat dude. But like you know, they had it going there for a while, and I really thought that Zimmer. You know, being a defensive coach, um, surprisingly, it was the defense that kind of let them down at times. Um, but, you know, that's – that's that. I mean, that is a sports-crazy community, as you know, Minneapolis. Yes, and, it is. Um, tremendous stadium at U.S. Bank, the new stadium they have. No reason why they can't get back in it. Um, Kirk Cousins, depending on what you think about him, I think he's a pretty good quarterback. Um, I don't know how many more years they got him under contract, but – you know Adam Thielen. I mean, they had some pieces, right? And and um, they they came close uh, in the past. You remember that that playoff game that uh, they stole from the Saints, and you know all that and the skull thing. But um, yeah, that one that one fell apart, and so they're starting over with uh, coach and GM. Vic Fangio got fired after a nineteen and thirty record in three seasons. I think with the Broncos, he was seven and ten this year. Somebody wrote that, hey, this is a really good job if they could just find a quarterback. And I thought, if they had a quarterback, Vic Fangio would be their coach because that's that's the one thing they didn't have, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it's been wild, but since uh, Peyton Manning retired, um, I don't know if they've had 14 or 15 or 16 different guys start at quarterback on that team, and they just can't find one. I mean, Drew Locke, of course, was, was the last um, effort guy. Teddy Bridgewater came in there and got hurt. Um, and that, that's really the piece they're missing. It's a, it's an unbelievable organization. I think it's one that, you know, if Aaron Rodgers were to leave green Bay that he would have looked at or did look at, um, I don't think they're that far away from winning in that division. And, you know, um, but Fangio older coach, I think Bruce Arian said, you know, anymore, you know, 500 doesn't get you anything anymore. You can't, you're basically going to get fired. So, so Fangio is gone. Um, and then Brian Flores um, down in Miami, you know, they, they started out, I think they had lost seven in a row. They finished nine and eight, but they didn't make the playoffs in the three seasons he was here. Bill Belichick product, obviously. Uh, I thought he did a commendable job with Tua. I thought Tua played better down the stretch. They beat the Patriots twice. Um, First time in like 20 the, years they swept them. Yeah. And and the thing is, they're, they're just not that far away now. You could argue, you know, if Stephen Ross wants to go a different direction with the quarterback, uh, maybe they will. You know, whether that's Deshaun Watson or what. Well, he said he said there's no interest in pursuing Deshaun Watson, and that the quarterback is the next coach's choice. Okay, well, we'll find out who that coach is. But i I think there was a I think there was a rift between him and the GM Chris Greer. Mm -hmm. Um, And from what I understand, Flores sort of has what a lot of these New England coaches have, which is a little bit of arrogance, a little bit of I know more than you do, um, and, and quite a bit of stubbornness. And, you know, they're not in charge of the whole program, so, you know, you got to work with people. And I think that I think that Ross, and this happens because a lot of times the GMs have, have a chance to get in, in inside the owner's ear. Now, there had been speculation that Jim Harbaugh was a guy that Ross – would have, you know, under wraps if he wanted them. But Ross has said, I think he said this consistently, I am not going to be the guy that takes Jim Harbaugh away from Michigan. Yeah, Ross has the business school named after him at the University of Michigan. Yeah. So he's a huge donor and, and supporter and fan of Jim Harbaugh. But, yeah, I don't think he wants to be the one that takes him away. 
And then you still have the Jags job, of course, is open, and they're they're interviewing almost everybody uh, that you can imagine, including their interim coach now, Daryl Bevel. Huge win uh, and, and a terrible loss, I should say, for the Indianapolis Colts uh, in that final game, man. I Carson Wentz, still can't. ooh. I mean, Oof. a game you need to step up and win. Yeah. Oof. Yeah, that was bad. And I, I watched the Colts this year. They had some pieces. You know, they really did. Their defense was good, opportunistic, caused a lot of turnovers. Um, you know, Darius Leonard, I mean, they had uh, a Jonathan Taylor could run the ball really, really well. They had some good receivers, and they, they were coming on. And I, I really thought that they were going to make the playoffs and maybe do something when they got there. But to lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars, like, six straight times now in Jacksonville is unconscionable. And, and Wentz did not step up, and that was – that was what people feared, that in the big moments he would shrink. He certainly did in that one. That should have been a layup. Um, and then we'll see You know, we'll see what happens with the Raiders. Look, that, that Raiders-Chargers game was about as crazy a game as I've ever seen to finish the regular season. We were I mean, so close, so close to a tie. Yeah, and, and the, the tie would have gotten both the Raiders and the Chargers into the postseason and would have knocked out the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? who came back with a with a dramatic win over the Ravens, and they were waiting for the outcome of this game. And I swear to you, and Basaccia said it had crossed their mind that they were thinking about it, I really believe that they may have just, you know, run the ball, and if they weren't in field goal range, settle for the tie because that got you in the playoffs. Yeah, and then, well, and I think if, if uh, the coach for the Chargers, if he doesn't call timeout, Right. And give them time to decide a, a better play. I think they were just running a base run play and, and playing for the tie. I believe and, and, so. And my question for the Chargers is, you had to call timeout on third down to put your run personnel in? What did you think they were doing on first and second down? Your run personnel should have been in for all three of those plays. Exactly. Why are you having to sub in for that? They were I mean, not going to give them the ball back. That hit the two-minute warning. They were not putting that ball in the air. No. Because because no. your job as a coach is to get in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. It didn't matter if you won or lost. The, you know, it mattered if you lost that game. It didn't matter if you won or tied. Just get in. And exactly. so there was no way once that hit the two-minute warning, the Raiders were putting that ball in the air. You knew they were running. Why wasn't your run personnel in for first and second down if you had to sub it in on third down? That's what made no sense to me. Yeah, it made no sense to me either, and I think ultimately it wound up ca- costing them dearly, uh, and and probably a chance at the playoffs. And they got into field goal range, they made the field goal, and now Rich Bisaccia at least becomes a consideration. Like I don't think they're going to go. Where where are they headed? They're going to go to uh, in Cincinnati. Cincinnati. Yeah, yeah, against a hot uh, Bengals team. I mean, they but got the five seed. The-, the Raiders got the five seed with that right, win. Right, right, right. Yeah, now that really helped them, and, and I mean. You know, while the Bengals are maybe one of the hottest teams in the NFL right now, not any playoff experience for those guys, right? They haven't won a playoff game in thirty years. Yeah, so you know, certainly, you know, you can't you can't just chalk that one up because they're, that they're playing well. And I mean, I love their quarterback. I love love their receiver. You know, I think they're doing uh, they're one of the hotter teams entering the postseason. But hey, any given Sunday, especially in in in, in uh, you know, and, and this will be Derek Carr's. First playoff game, he he made the playoffs, but was injured and couldn't couldn't play um, about seven eight years ago. So this will be his. You know the Raiders. I, I mean, I give them a ton of credit, and I know so many guys on that staff, right? Greg Olson and, and mm-hmm. uh, Gus Bradley, and you know uh, I think Rod Marinelli is there. I mean, all these ex Bucks coaches that you know that Gruden brought out there with him. Um, but to go through 
just their season, right, with losing the head coach in what was a, you know, a very public, scandalous, uh, uh, hurtful, uh, you know, bunch of emails that were released that, that got Gruden uh, basically resigned. And then, you know, Henry Ruggs has the just horrific DUI crash that, that kills a woman. Um, and then they had, I think they had another DUI somewhere along the line, but um, it's just been one thing after another. And, well, and four Versace, weeks ago, they got smoked by the Chiefs, and everyone wrote them oh, off for yeah. dead. Yeah, they did. It was bad. And, and uh, but Sacha just kept, you know, kept going along, and, and they got some character guys on that team, starting with a quarterback who I love, um, both as a, not just a player, but as a person. And you know what? They, they made the postseason. I mean, that is, that is what Gruden couldn't do. Um, you know, he did it a couple times here in Tampa, but basically was a 500 coach his whole career and, and had not made the playoffs, uh, with the Raiders and Versace gets him over the finish line. And, and so you would at least expect him to get some run, although, um, and I didn't know this, you pointed this out to me. If, if Jim Harbaugh is leaving and we don't know that he is, um, but if Jim Harbaugh is going to leave, you know, a generational job at Michigan where he could probably finish his career, um, understanding that I don't know how many more times he's going to beat Ohio State. I don't know that he'll ever get back in the national, you know, college football playoffs, although they are going to expand, but the final four the way he did. If he's going to make a move, it seems like this would be the time to do it because I don't know if he's going to have more leverage or be hotter. Um, but but he has a connection with the Raiders, as you pointed out to me. He he coached there. He's their quarterbacks coach at one point. That's where he started his coaching career. Was as a quarterback coach of the Raiders. Uh, is very fond of Al Davis and now Mark Davis as well. Uh, presumably, if he goes there, they would give him the full control that he would want. Uh, after what happened in San Francisco with Trent Baalke and the ownership there, um, you know that was that falling out that he ended up out as Baalke, kind of like uh, in Miami. You know where the the coach Flores and, and the GM there had a rift, and, and they kept the GM. That's what happened to Jim Harbaugh in San Francisco. So, um, you know, if he goes anywhere, I, I, th- I think the Raiders and the Bears are a possibility. Although I think the Raiders is a better opportunity um, than what the Bears organization is and talent level and everything else. Uh, but he also quarterbacked at the Bears, so that's another one where he's got a you know personal history and relationship, which can mean a lot to Jim Harbaugh. Yeah, and and I think you know, again, I think if he's if he's gonna do it, it just makes so much sense to do it now because of the year that he's just had at Michigan. Um, if not, when and for what situation? You know, you, um, again, money might not be the only thing, but there's a lot of good things. Um, starting with the fact they have a quarterback, you know, who's not that old, and you know, you can you can win with and you can build around, and some pretty good players too. So. Um, like you said, control will be an will be an issue. There's a, there's a lot of things I'm sure he would want, but that that one sort of makes sense to me. I mean, look, there's a lot of jobs where I think we're up to six jobs potentially mm-hmm. already. And you mentioned I'm the Giants' sh- general manager job where Dave Gettleman retired. Dave Gettleman retired because they were going to retire him, and well, he's yes. 70 years old, and so they gave him the option of uh, you know the the announcement, or you can walk out on your own volition. He chose to retire. Um, now here's the thing about that. Like people are screaming for Joe Judge's job, you know, because just in the last couple of weeks, some of the things, some of the press conferences that guy's had is like, you are not in the same like stratosphere. Like I, I don't think I would enjoy playing for the guy. Um, I think he's embarrassed the organization a little bit in some of the things that he has said, uh, and, and about other teams as well. Um, and 
listen, I mean, they're going to stick with their quarterback, so he's going to have to live with that. But if they're going to hire a general manager, okay, rather than make force that coach on that general manager. See, I don't think Joe Judge is completely out of the woods. I have seen this go where, you know, maybe it takes several weeks, and I mean two or three, uh, to hire a GM. But it would not be completely out of left field if they hired a GM and that GM then fired Joe Judge and said, I am going to bring in my own head coach uh, to work with this quarterback. Now, there's been GMs that have inherited coaches all the time. They hang around for a year, then they fire them, then they get rid of you know, But it just seems like a waste. Like, I don't see mm-hmm. Joe Judge working out there. Well, and um, with, with Gettleman retiring, this could have been in the works for a while, and they may already be talking to GM candidates. Absolutely. You know, where, absolutely. I mean, they may, you may see a GM candidate hired really quick here. Absolutely. And, which, at that point, you know, a week, two, they could let go yeah. of Joe Judge at that time and still hire a coach. Right, and that GM may have a coach. You know, he may have a coach that he already knows is available that he can get mm-hmm. um, and and bring him with him and make it sort of a package deal. So I don't think the Giants – I don't think that job is, is completely Judge's, even though, you know, he talked to his players, he talked to his staff and all of that. I mean, it's a tough day in the NFL. Uh, look, I'm not going to hold a telethon for these guys as part of the business. Um but I do feel for guys like Spillman have been in one place for that many mm-hmm. years. I remember Dominic was fired after you know he had been with the organization for 19 years. Those kind of things are hard. Um, yeah. They're hard on families. You feel you know, more you for move. the staffs. I mean, you know, the GMs yeah. and the coaches are making big bucks. Yeah, absolutely. But when your assistants and the training staff goes with it, and you know, when mm-hmm. these organizations make changes, it's a lot of people changing out, not just the two or three yeah. that make the headlines. And those are the right. people that you that you feel more sorry for of. You know, now where am I going to find my next job or where do I got to move now? And, you know, th- that's where it's really tough is, is the support staffs and, and the assistants and all that below everybody. Yeah, no question. And then their, their families and schools and, and you know, so much uh, trickles down. But it's part of the business. It's a tough part of the business for sure um, to have to deal with. So we're going to have, uh, of course, more on the Bucks, uh this week. We'll talk to Matt Baker about the national uh, championship game. He'll be on tomorrow. Uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, as he gets back from Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And for this podcast, at least, we're not going to tell you the result because we don't know the result. We're taping this before <laughs> the game, saving saving ourselves uh, for a full analysis with Matt Baker when he gets back uh, from Indy. So that'll be, that'll be fun to do. And then the Lightning are going to be back in action. Not such a good performance against the Boston Bruins the other night, by the way. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought Boston played extremely well. I thought that, that's the best I've seen Boston play, you know, not, I don't watch them frequently, but against yeah. the lightning, that's the best they've played in a long time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought Dave Michigan brought up a, a great point and, and he said, you know, look, prior to the lightning playing in Boston about a month ago, they hadn't played in over two years. And, you know, the two pr- playoffs prior to that, Tampa Bay had knocked Boston out of the playoffs. Mm. And so Boston may have come in a little hungry. Now, in, in Boston, the Lightning ended up getting the win, but Boston outplayed them. Yeah. And so maybe they were a little motivated when they came to Emily mm-hmm. Arena as well. And the Lightning played okay. I, I, you know, I wouldn't say they played great or anything. And, and John Cooper mentioned, you know, look, special teams wasn't the issue. It was five-on-five five play. They just beat us. They were the better team yeah. tonight. And, and, yeah. and they really were on Saturday. Um you know, it's the thirty seventh game of the regular season. Boston played well. Lightning didn't play as well. Okay, I mean, you know, but that, but if if Boston could play like that more frequently, 
in, in regularly, they'll be they'll be a really good team. And right now they're in playoff contention. They're like in fourth place in the division. Um, yeah. they, have, they have a lot of games to make up. Uh, but, you know, I mean, anytime you've got Patrice Bergeron and Pasternak and Marchand together on a line or on the power play, I mean, they're always going to be a dangerous team. So, yeah. But the Lightning's game Monday night was postponed in New Jersey for COVID issues with the Devils. So tonight they play in Buffalo against the Sabres. Yeah. And, of course, COVID's going to be part of the story going forward, and um, we'll see what goes on with that. So, anyway, uh, look forward to talking uh, about the national championship game on tomorrow's podcast. Uh, for Steve Burstick, I'm Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great day, everybody. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.